All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to class. We're going to go ahead and get started this morning. This is uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday. Um, unfortunately, we remember January 22nd that comes up this week, 1972, when the Roe v. Wade decision was made. But Sanctity of Life goes beyond the abortion issue. Abortion is something that we want to eradicate, um, hopefully by choices and by those that are making those wise choices, etc. But um, Sanctity of life is about all human beings, regardless of age, regardless of race, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless whether they're male or female, young or old, whole or broken, all human beings are created in the image of God. And I've showed you this before when I dealt, dealt with a series on ethics, but um, I'd like to uh, share this again. What does it mean to be pro-life? Like a set of new glasses that helps us see the world with greater clarity, the value of human life defines how we see and respond to those around us. From the formation of a child's first tiny self to life's final breath, all life has dignity and value. Because each and every one of us is made in the image of God. And that is why when we talk about being pro-life, it's not just about a political issue. It's a worldview. It's a life view. It's a way of looking at each human life that transcends culture, class, race, age, and opinion, knowing that we are all uniquely created in the image of God. The sanctity of human life is deeply rooted in scripture and modeled through the life of Jesus Christ who said, Whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. When we begin to see others as God sees them, we're moved to care more deeply about those created in His image. And we will live each day in a way that honors our Creator. We won't see the scriptures as mere words, but as commands to express His heart through our actions. Commands like speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. And ensure justice for those being crushed. Or love your neighbor as yourself. The sanctity of human life speaks to ancient questions that span all of time and every culture. Questions like, who is God? Who am I? Who is my neighbor? Jesus responded to those questions with the story of the Good Samaritan, who saw another man who was broken and bleeding. And instead of looking the other way as others had, he stopped and cared for that man, even at great cost to himself. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Let us see people as God sees them see their needs and having mercy on them because every person is made in the image of God. Don't be silent in the face of injustice, but be a voice for those who cannot speak for themselves. May we not pass judgment on the woman facing an unexpected pregnancy, but surround her with support, helping her to see the child growing within her as a unique person with a life as valuable as her own. So reach out to orphans in distant lands 
or the foster child in our own backyard who is waiting, hoping, and praying for a family to call their own. Embrace those with special needs as a special reflection of the image of our Creator God. Let us care for the widow in distress and loneliness. And let us befriend those in prison. Let us shine a light on practices that distort human dignity. Like human trafficking and the cycle of poverty that limits God-given potential and dreams. Make sacrifices to meet the needs of those dying preventable deaths because they lack food, medicine, and clean water. Let us rejoice in the image of God as expressed through various skin colors and ethnic traditions. Refusing to tolerate racist attitudes that mock the one that created us. Let us choose to see those who disagree with us as God sees them, treating them with respect and dignity while helping them to open their eyes to see the beauty and value of life. That is what it means to be pro-life. This is why we need to be a voice. That's what it means to be pro-life. And the sanctity of human life is something that uh, I believe very strongly in. I know our church does as well. And uh, we, just, we just need to pray and ask God to help us to have opportunity to be a difference, to be a voice, to be uh, one who shows the love of Christ to those who are in need. And we express that in so many different ways. That Let God be the one to speak through you and, and to you about what that really looks like and how what ministry you can have in the life of giving value to someone. Um, whether that person be in, in a nursing home or whether they're in a hospital, whether you can speak to them or in person or not, we're in a unique time and we're going into unique times. And the love of Jesus Christ and being light and salt is still his command for all of us, amen? So the question of the morning is, what will you do to be a voice? What will you do to make a positive impact on those around you in the kingdom? Let's pray this morning. Father, as we begin our class, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your many blessings and for the blessing of, of being uh, your children, for those who know you as Savior. Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll be honored and glorified today through this class, through our lives, through our motives, for everything that we do. We, I thank you for everybody who takes time out of their busy schedule to uh, trust you, to be here today. Those that can't be, God, we continue to pray for them and give them a shield of protection and health. Thank you for those that are serving our, our community in the healthcare fields. God, protect them for our military, for our police. For those uh, in the National Guard around this country this week, we pray a shield of protection around them and keep them safe. God, I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would bring revival to this nation and to our world. And God, until then, may we be your children who are faithful in sharing and valuing all human life, whether it is in the womb or till life's final breath. May we reflect you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Donna's going to come and do our announcements. I don't know if JJ will have one. We're all set. We're all set. Her. We're thinking ahead. Oh, so, good. <laughs> uh, so we told you last week, I guess, and last week, 
Um, so uh, let's go ahead and read our verse. And the, now, uh, last year, I guess probably in about October, they stopped posting a new verse a week. And so we were just using a verse from whatever the sermon is that day, and that's kind of what I've been doing uh, to kind of uh, uh, reinforce that. And so if you're wondering where the verse of the week comes from, it's usually from whoever's preaching whatever sermon they have, what seems to be the key verse um, that I'm adding in for you. So, uh, and then Pastor Johnson has been using the CSB, which I think is a fairly new uh, translation, and so it's a little bit unfamiliar, and there's a benefit to that. I don't know if you've ever done this. Try reading the Bible in a translation that you've never read before, and you see things that you haven't seen before because it's not as familiar to you. So I appreciate that. So today we're going to read together Exodus 4, 11 and 12 together, right? That means, let's do that again. Exodus 4, 11 and 12. Yahweh said to him, Who made the human mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, Yahweh? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. your prayers for these uh, needs throughout the week. All right. We're in uh, the finishing of chapter 3 today in the book of James. And today's topic is on the issue of wisdom. Do you need wisdom? Yes. And the issue today is going to be there are two different kinds of wisdom. Do we need earthly wisdom or godly wisdom? You know, and so obviously this is where we're looking at. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. Now stop here a second and remember the theme of the book of James. James is talking about faith that what? So it's putting your faith into practice. All right. And so what he's saying now is for those of us who are wise, okay, if you, if you consider yourself to be wise... Show it by your good life, by deeds done, in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Pe peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So it's, we're talking about wisdom. Now, wisdom is the quality of having experience, life experience. How many of you have life experience? Okay. Knowledge. You have knowledge. You know things. How many of you in here know that? Okay. Good judgment. Okay. That's where we may go, eh, not so much. Okay. So what is the value of experience? Give me some examples. What's the value of having experience? So we don't make the same mistakes again. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. You've watched it in other people's life. You've seen the experience of life. 
and good and bad, and so you can make those judgments. What else? What else helps? What is good experience for? Sure. Yeah. To help others. I was reading in my one of my memory verses this week. It was that um, hope, tribulation produces experience and experience, or patience and patience, experience and experience, hope. Yeah. And so through these things, we can ultimately gain hope. And ultimately, if we have experience, experience brings knowledge. Okay? The more you experience, I mean, my. My dad's advice to me when he dropped me off in 1981 to Liberty was, Luke, get as many experiences as you can. It'll broaden you as a person. Great advice. Okay? So the more you experience, the more you'll be able to know. And then from that, learn good and bad, uh, those things, and then hopefully apply it in a good way. Knowledge is the acquiring of facts, information, or skills through experience or education. Okay? So we gain this through experience or education. It means to understand something. So when we have life experiences and when we're learning, we're getting an education, we're listening, we're understanding, we gain this, uh, this knowledge. And then judgment, good judgment. Judgment, though, is the ability to make considered decisions or come to sensible conclusions, having discernment or common sense. Now, would you agree with me today that we see some of that lacking in our culture? Okay? And you're sometimes, you know, banging your head and going, why would they think that way? Okay? But nevertheless, it's, to have good judgment is when you're considering your decisions. Do, we, do you ever just make decisions on a whim? Way too often. Yeah. Okay? But a considered decision is a good judgment is when you think before you act. act. That you're not just impulsive. You're not an impulsive buyer. You're not an impulsive talker. Okay? If you talk impulsively, you're going to get in trouble. Can I get a witness on that one? You know? <laughs> okay. James. 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Okay? Considering the definition of wisdom above, okay? It is having that sense of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Okay? Are you a person who has these things? Now, you all said you have experience. All of us in this room have education. All of us in here have learned something. We have knowledge. The question then becomes, are you a wise person? Are you able to make discerning judgments? And I would answer that question with an emphatic yes. Some of you have made great decisions. You have chosen at times not to do something that was evil or sinful that you wanted to do. Would you, can I get an amen to that? Yeah. Anybody? Okay, sure. There are times in your life when you have thought selfishly, I want to do this. But you choose instead to do the right thing. Can I get an amen for that? Yes. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> yeah. So think through this. See, good judgment is learning how to do the right thing 
even when impulsively we want to do the wrong thing. Naturally, we want to maybe do the wrong thing. But when we choose to do the right thing, we show God's wisdom. Wisdom should be shown through a good life. What's a good life? What would you consider to be a good life? Fewer bad decisions. <laughs> Fewer bad decisions. That's great for this lesson, right? But think about how the average person would say, what's a good life? Sinless. Sinless. Maybe. Healthy, wealthy, rich, and wise. You know, right? I want the picket fence house. I want good health. I want life without problems. We, we think that's, that's what a good life is. But is that really the case? A good life would be just living life, trusting God, and letting him lead you. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? That's what the Christian life is all about, isn't it? Learning how to walk with God and trust him through everyday situations. And your children as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we pray for. Our children, our grandchildren, that they would walk in wisdom. That they would lead a good life. Wisdom will produce good works done in humility. Someone read for me Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. See, in other words, uh, we've been called to be free. In other words, we're no longer under the penalty of the law. We're free in Christ. Okay, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's liberty. Not Liberty University, though we'd love to say that. It's, the, it's freedom in Christ. Where God's Spirit is, we're free. So here, if you really are free, we should not indulge the flesh. We shouldn't fulfill the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Rather, we should serve one another in humility. So in other words, our life... Well, let me ask this question first. What is humility? Meekness. Putting others before yourself. <laughs> that was stereo. I know. <laughs> the exact same words. Putting others before yourself. Humility. Considering others better than yourself. Thinking through all these, these kinds of principles. Okay? Philippians 2 3. Someone read that. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, humility, value others above yourself. Value others above yourself. Now, let's do a quick inventory. Are you living in humility? Are you considering the value of others better than yourself? Or is life about you and your happiness? And th those are struggles that we will face on a daily basis. In reality, that's what we will face constantly. But wisdom, if you have wisdom, a godly wisdom, you're going to do good works, but you'll do it in humility, not to be seen by others. It, it, it's, it's like, I use this analogy at times in marriage situations, um, that in a marriage at times, a, a lot of things done in the home are often done by both couples, by the man and the woman. Many times they're done more maybe by a woman or the man, depending on who's working outside the house, etc. But usually the person, I've heard it many, many times, there's something when you do something out of the norm, okay? So let's just say you have your roles as husband and wife. You know what your typical role is. 
and what you do. Maybe you do the dishes and he vacuums or you, whatever. They, one person cooks and the other person cleans up afterwards. But here's what happens. You do something that the person normally does. Let's say make the bed. Let's say he normally makes the bed. And she comes in and makes it before he does. What is the obvious or unfortunate result of doing something out of the ordinary? Yeah, Sandy. Well, normally it's like, do I not do it? But you do. <laughs> yeah. But what happens before that? How many times does the person who does something out of the ordinary expect immediate praise? Did you notice I made the bed? And I did it the last 364? How many times did you say, thank you for making the bed? Well, that's just what you do. But when I do something out of the ordinary, I expect, oh, hallelujah, fireworks going off. You see, sometimes do we do good works out of humility or do we do things out of praise I went out of my way you know it, think about the normal routine and the non-normal routine we often want praise for what we do that's not out of the ordinary that we don't normally do and if we're not careful we begin to do things for the wrong reasons we do it for praise and then when we don't do it we get bitter when we don't get that praise or when we don't get that expectation in our lives okay worldly wisdom views deeds from a selfish perspective someone read James 3 14 to 16 Okay, so good works are being done. We do good things, okay? This afternoon, some of you are gonna show up and help to sort books, okay? As soon as we're done with a little get together, I'll be over there. What, what will happen then? If we get together, we start sorting these books, these books are being done. But what do we feel about people who do good things? Do we ever get envious? Of what somebody else has or doesn't have. Do we and and when we do, do we deny it? Yes. You know? Oh I, you know, I don't I don't feel bad about that. We we hear a praise for you know, the Lord paid off my house. Why them, Lord, and not me? No? I got healed. Why them, Lord? We go through things that when we see things happen, we, we can get earthly, unspiritual, even demonic, it says, when we start feeling this way. Romans 1.22 says, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. See, they claimed that wisdom, but that it was just earthly wisdom that they felt like, hey, I know the right way to go. I know the answer to this. I know the way to live, etc. Bitter envy 
Okay? It talks about these things, bitter envy. It's the sin of covetousness. We don't like the success or good works of someone else. Think about that. Do you ever get to the place where you covet what someone else has or doesn't have? Do you become envious of that? Not just envy, but bitter envy. Why couldn't my situation have turned out that way? Why can't I have that? And we get to this idea and it's, it's, it's destructive in our life. Selfish ambition or seeking of personal gain. Good works should be done to bless others and not to receive personal gain. You do something for somebody, it's like you give to get. You know, there are people who wrongfully, because they may have heard it on television, a television preacher told them this, I'm going to give $100 in the offering plate. Come on, lottery. I'm going to scratch away and I'm going to win a thousand. You know, or they think, well, I did this. I'm going to be blessed over here. And it doesn't work out that way. And it's like, wait a minute now. This isn't right. I heard it. I, you know, I believe that if you do something for somebody else, you do that for your, you do something good for your spouse or for your child and expect something in return. And it doesn't happen. This isn't fair. And then you hear that proverbial phrase, life is never fair. Right? I mean, you've ever heard, life is never fair. Life isn't fair. Life's not fair, and it's my job to teach you that. That's the quote in our house. When kids would go, that's not fair, and I'm like, mm, life's not fair. It's my job to teach you that. Praise the Lord. Amen. And that's great wisdom. <laughs> Tish. But I think we have to remember, God does reward you, and he blesses yeah. you. You may not see it here, but it'll be coming eventually. It's just kind of patient for it. Eyes have not seen, nor ears have heard what God has prepared for us. And sometimes, you know, we do things that it's like, are you storing, remember the passage of treasures in heaven? Or storing things up here? Sometimes when you do right, you'll never see it here. But you will see it there. Amen. Do you believe in heaven? Yes. That's the question. Do you believe in heaven? And if you do, does that impact what you do now? Yes. It should. Absolutely. Arrogance. Don't brag or lie about your pride. First Peter 5.5. 5. Someone read that. Thank you. See, this was a clothe yourself. Now, okay, the imagery of clothe yourself. I know there are times when you do things not to be seen by others. But do people see your clothes? Yes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And you have them on. Hallelujah. Okay? You who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Clothe yourself with humility. In other words, live your life in such a way that people see your humility. That you're not arrogant and prideful. It's all about me. That we live our lives in such a way it's about you. Paul. Um, you know, when we get up in the morning, we just, we put clothes on for the day. And that's the way it should be. Humility is our clothing. We don't announce it. We don't plan it. We just, it's just part of us. Yep. It's, it's, it's exactly who we are. It reflects who's in us. Jesus Christ. His Holy Spirit. 
the result of worldly wisdom. Proverbs 1, 1 and 2 and 28 to 32. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction for understanding words of insight. Then they will call to me. So in other words, okay, I have given them I, I, these words for wisdom. God gave wisdom to Solomon. And he says, if you will read this, if you will follow this, you will have wisdom. The problem, though, is, is that we tend not to read Proverbs. Okay? As, on a consistent basis. Or read God's word. And he says, and this is wisdom speaking. Then they will call out to me. Okay? In other words, humans... When they haven't taken the time to listen to God's word, they'll call out to me for wisdom, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. wisdom. We don't fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. In other words, they just live life going from day to day. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. If you're complacent, you're out of touch with reality. It's evidence of one's earthly spiritual condition. Someone read for me 1 Corinthians 2.14. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. Now, that would be a great verse to memorize going into 2021. You're going to have a lot of conversations to a radio or a television set. They won't be able to hear you. They won't be able to understand you. And unfortunately, they don't understand God either. Because it's spiritually discerning. See, it are discerned only through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. And you're going to be there talking. You're going to be like, how can you think this way? How can you believe that? How can you do that? It's because they don't have the Spirit of God within them. And that is why the greatest gift that you can give to someone is it your silence. The greatest gift you can give someone is the gospel. It's transformative. It will change their life forever. doesn't mean that their life will be perfect, that they will be sinless, that they will have no problems. We all recognize those things. And yet, they don't get it. They won't understand. They're, they're like, you're clueless. But why? They don't have God's spirit in them. They don't have common sense. It's demonic. That's a harsh phrase to say, but it's demonic. First Timothy 4 was, is the spirit clearly says that in the latter times, and I think we're in the latter times, but, I, you know, but we don't know how, when Jesus is going to come, but I think we're in the latter times. Some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits things taught by demons things taught by demons think about that who's teaching demons there could be demonic people teaching in our lifetime demonic spirits 
Well, wait a minute. I don't know about that. Well, wait. Think about it this way. Does the Bible teach us that you may have entertained spirits unawares? That people who you come across may have been an angel of God and didn't even know it, but they look like you and me. Does demons not have that same option, potentially? According to this, yes. So we have to be discerning ourselves. It, it, it creates the results of worldly wisdom, creates instability and confusion. People are, I'm just confused. I don't understand. There's no clarity of thinking. When works become self-centered, when I do things for myself, they're destructive. Why? When you start doing things for your own benefit, even though it's quote-unquote for others, if you start doing it for you instead of for others, why would that be destructive? You're putting yourself over God. You're putting yourself over God. What else? Yeah, Mark. Usually people see right through it, and the only ones who are full is yourself. Exactly. You're exactly right. Think about when you start doing things for the wrong reasons, how often will you be disappointed? <laughs> if you're doing it for selfish gain, for selfish motives, you're going to be dissatisfied because it will never meet your needs in and of itself if you're doing it for the wrong reasons if you do it for others man there's great value in that you're, man i felt so good about doing something for them because they they needed it and they appreciated it but when i do it for me what do i want to get out of this what do i have thanks Steve. Godly wisdom views uh, deeds from a selfless or for the betterment of others' perspective. James 3, 17 and 18 says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. The evidence or signs of godly wisdom in one's life are these. It's pure. Okay? It doesn't have evil or ulterior motives. So when you do things for others, it's pure. You're not doing it. Uh, hey, hey uh, kids. Okay, anybody under the age of uh, 18. Have you ever done something because at home, good, you, you helped your parents because you wanted something for it? I want, I'm going to do this. And I expect something in return, right? Do you have ulterior motives for doing the right things? Now, here's, do you get upset if you don't get what you want? If you go, well, I, I was doing this for this reason, but they didn't give it to me. Do you get upset? See, then you become frustrated because, well, then what's the purpose of doing good if I'm not going to get something for it? And see, that ulterior motive destroys your thinking. What about at the office? Ladies, guys, you're working at your office, and you do something for somebody else, and you don't get any benefit of it. 
I didn't get the promotion. I didn't get the raise. I didn't get the thank you. I didn't get the. And then you get bitter, envious when somebody else does. And so our whole life becomes revolving around our happiness. And when our whole life gets wrapped around our happiness, we'll never be satisfied. It's peace loving or creates harmonious relationships. It sounds beautiful. The relationship is sound. It's good. Okay? It's peace loving. My phrase that I like to use often is eliminate drama. Right? Eliminate the drama from your life. You want to have, you want to be able to go home. The greatest experience for me is walking in the front door and not doing, but going, there's a difference, isn't it? You're still sighing, but you're doing it from a different perspective. One says, I'm glad to be home. The other one says, why am I home? Are we creating an atmosphere where we want to be together, peace loving? It's considerate or fair when dealing with turmoil. Okay? It's considerate. The word literally means to be fair in the face of turmoil. Are you judging correctly? Are you fair in the way you deal with things? It's submissive, compliant, or obedient. Do you consider yourself, all right, everyone's radar on, white noise gone, wah, 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 wah is gone, okay? Shall everyone's teacher. Are you a submissive person? I'm not saying this to the ladies. I'm saying it to all of us, right? Men and women. Would you consider yourself to be a submissive person? You don't have to say it out loud. Ask yourself that question. Are you a submissive person? If your natural response is, no, I'm, you know, I'm the head of the household and I'm a boss. So no, I don't have to be submissive. You've just undermined the various perspective of the Christian life, which is your first submission is to God. Even with husbands and wives, the scripture says that they, we should submit to each other in love. Uh, I didn't catch that one. <laughs> submissive. Am I submissive? Am I compliant? Am I obedient? Okay. It's full of mercy. In other words, it cares for others' needs and meets them. Are you even aware of what the other person's needs are? Have you had that conversation? Honey, can I really, I want to get to them. What do you really need from me? What do you need from me? You could say that to your children. What do you need? What is it that you really want in life? What is it that you need from me? How can I be a blessing to you? Children, do you ever go to your parents? What can I do to bless you? Uh, no, that's not my role. I'm the kid and I'm supposed to get everything. No. It's cares for others' needs. Do you care about your parents' needs and meet them? Or each other's needs and meet them? It's impartial. It doesn't show favoritism in decision-making. Okay? You do the right thing regardless of who they are. You're impartial. It's sincere. Without hypocrisy, you sincerely are living out your life. You're doing the right things for the right reasons. Finally, those who are peacemakers reap righteousness. Are you a peacemaker or do you create conflict? Do you, does conflict surround you because of your attitude, etc., problems, 
attitudes become negative because you're around them. It's like, it's because it's all about me. Galatians 6, 7 through 10. Someone read that for me. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of the Lord. So what we do, what we do matters. And we're supposed to do good to the people who are our friends, right? Is that what it's teaching us? You do good to your friends. Or are you good to those who are good to you, right? No, what does it say? Good to all first. And then a prioritization of the family of God. So you have a priority to the family of God, but you also have an obligation to be good to everybody. So in other words, well, who's my neighbor? Who's ever in need? And you do good with the right attitude and humility, not expecting something in return, but to give because you give, not even expecting it from God, though he does bless. See, it's living your life without unrealistic expectations. That's the hardest thing, because all of us want something. But think about Jesus. If we want to be like Jesus, will we walk as Jesus walked? What did he do for his own benefit? Nothing. Even with those who are unthankful, he did it anyways. In fact, he was so prioritized that he didn't even focus on, I have no place to lay my head. But he also tells us this, lest we ever get into a situation where we think God doesn't care. Can a sparrow fall to the ground without God noticing? No. no. Nope. And you're worth more than many sparrows. Even the hairs on your head are numbered. God knows everything about you and loves you unconditionally. Is there for you. And as a follower of Jesus then, I lovingly consider myself to be his steward and to the best of my ability die to myself every day and take up my cross and I follow him. That's what he calls us to do. Are we ready? Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, as we walk out of this place today, I pray that we do so with good in mind, not our own benefit, but the benefit of others. May we be good to those we come in contact with. May we be humble in spirit, meek in heart. God, I pray your hand of blessing to be upon everyone who's come here today. And those, again, who could be with us, thank you for, for uh, Mark who puts these things in a, on podcasts so that we can view them later. God, I just pray that, or at least listen to them later. God, I pray that your hand of blessing would be upon these lessons May, that, may this not be just something said and done, and we're out of here. But may it be something that we're thinking about throughout the week. God, continue to transform us, conform us to the image of your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ. We'll be thankful. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen.